Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Sky and Pancake Podcast. I'm Jason Ackerman. So, I recorded a podcast with Mike Knoll. It was really cool. Told some great old schwa stories. But unfortunately, he was recording at Rhino Market and the internet was shit. So, can't post it. We're going to have to redo it. Um, so, that's going to be a few weeks from now. But I saw Amanda Britton on Friday at Orto. She's now the head mixologist there, or the head of beverage. And I was like, that was a good pod. We should repost that one. I'm going to have her back on the pod in a few weeks, too. But I thought everyone could kind of enjoy an old pod back when Yvonne was on and uh, before COVID, and it was just like happier times then. So everyone enjoy the pod, and uh, we'll be back next week with a new guest. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 59 of the Stallion Pantheon Podcast. I'm Jason Ackerman. And I'm Yvonne Ackerman. And I'm Amanda Burton. Oh, wow. We have a big-time guest We've been teasing today. this for We've a couple We've been teasing of weeks. it for... Years. Yeah. Tell, so the, got, tell the people who we have in here. So we have Amanda Britton. I said your last name, right? Yes. She is uh, the head bartender of Bardo. She is, she won 2017 Mitsologist of the Year for North Carolina. And she is co-founder of Crown Town Collective. Yes. Which she'll tell us about in a second. So we are delighted to have you on here. It's early in the morning. This is the earliest pop we've ever done. <laughs> By early, it's almost noon. But yeah, I right. think for everyone in the room, it's it seems early. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amanda's worked last night at Bardo, yeah. right? Yes. So. Yeah, busy night too. And Bardo so. closes at like two, right? One. One. Yeah. But you That's... probably don't get home until... Oh, no. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a late night, but it's nothing compared to back in the day when I was working at sports bars and cleaning up because you're busy... Up until two, being there cleaning up till four. So, oh my gosh! Yeah. So I what time did you get home last night? Uh, last night probably like one forty-five. Nothing okay. too crazy. It's a small place, so it it's you got to work clean, which makes it easier at the end of the night. So just clean as you go. Yep. Yeah. So how'd you get into the bartending mythology scene? Honestly, I can remember back. My first bartending gig was at TGI Fridays. Oh, I yeah. had gone with. A friend of mine in was college. Was it in Charlotte or in no, Jersey? No, it was in Jersey. It was in North okay. Jersey while I was in college. I went with my friend. He was transferring from one location to this one so he could work. And he's like, just apply to be a host. I had never worked in the restaurant business before and was intimidated. I walk in. I was like, I can host. I can seat people. That can't be that hard. The manager comes up to me. He's like, you'll be fine as a server. And then that was it. And I just was <laughs> like so shocked I said nothing and started just showing up for my training shifts and feeling like I was fumbling around this part of the world I didn't know existed, and it was very fast-paced. And I remember one day it just clicked, and I was like, oh, I get this. All right, I, I understand the moving parts of this, and I really like the hustle and bustle and talking to people, and that was my thing. I had done desk jobs, and I really loved interacting with people. So I served for six months of my over 12 years in the business, and everything else has been behind the bar. So so how'd you go from serving to getting behind the bar? What was great about the Fridays that I worked at was they like to promote within, which I also am a big believer in. Uh, so my dad said to me and has said it many times, the worst they can say is no. He's like, you can talk to anyone about anything. Just go for it. The worst they can say is no. You're still a server, big deal. So I did. 
And they picked me and one other girl. They were looking for two positions, and that was just kind of it. And I enjoyed being back there. I, I, nothing has felt as comfortable in my life as it, it does behind the bar. I just truly enjoy it. And a little bit more, it's more focused than serving, right? I mean, you, yeah. it's like a, it's your craft and it's your art. When you're serving, you're doing a hundred things at once. Yeah, this, the, the difference between serving and bartending is that you're on stage. People sit at the bar mm-hmm. because they want that interaction. You don't really have a chance to walk away. I overhear stuff all the time and, and insert myself into conversations and get to know about someone or if they're being like, I wonder why she does that. I'll tell you. If I hear you say it, I'm going to jump in. I like that interaction. But that's the difference. It's, you, you're always on as one of my Friday's managers told me. Yeah, servers, you can go hide behind. Yeah, like, you yeah know, you're running kid. in the back, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Here, you're just, you're in the trenches sometimes, too. You just can't get out of it. You go to a bar two, three deep, there's nowhere to go. Yeah, it's entertainment. We love sitting at the bar and watching the bartender. I mean, yeah, people oh, do. Yeah. It's like they get so they get a show and a drink. And <laughs> yeah, that's part of why I love doing it, is, yeah. is putting on that show for people and making that stuff feel more approachable. And at Friday's, I also had to flare bartend, so I learned how to flip bottles and... They made, like Tom Cruise in Cocktail. Yes, <laughs> yes. Who was taught by a former TGI Fridays bartender? For Seriously? Oh yes. wow! Oh, so you? Yeah, they just forcibly like that, made me <laughs> compete every year. We have a competition, and it's a charity fundraiser. You no do. Way. We do testing from 11 a.m. until seven, and then at seven o'clock is when we had our actual like live performance. People would buy seats at the bar for like 50 bucks a piece, and then seats at booths for even more. And you watched us put on a show, and then we auctioned off all the drinks and. I think most years I was there, we it went towards Make a Wish, so it was a lot of fun. I was the MC a lot of years, so I'm comfortable like talking in front of a lot of people, even though most of the time I forget what I've said immediately after it's come <laughs> out of my mouth. So you're but really yeah. outgoing then. It doesn't make you shy to be on stage or like talking in front of people. Or... I can be really reserved, but I think I like the almost rush of like having no option but to be put yourself out there. It's like go. and have fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Most of my bartending experience is volume and. St- the kind of sports bar atmosphere where that kind of back and forth banter. I mean, I'm from New Jersey. That's just yeah. instilled in me. That's not That's going anywhere. Yeah. So that kind of a career helps with my sarcasm. So I get to work on a lot here. And there's so many Northerners here too. It's it's fun to see how many people appreciate it. They get you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we get you. We like sarcasm. Well, that's what I really liked about Bardo too, is how it's so open and yeah. you can't there's no place to hide, even if you're a server, the you know, the head chef is right there. Oh yeah. So yeah, you're watching everything at all times in there. So what brought you from Jersey down to Charlotte? I'd been working at Fridays for almost six years and wanted to become uh, a manager. Because unfortunately, like in my head as a female, especially in that part of the bartending world, you have to be concerned about aging out. There's only so long. That's what we were meant to, that's the perception. It's like you can only be so old behind the bar before it's like, oh, she's wow. a bartender. and. That's something I had to think about, but I was raised by two people who had to pay the bills. So they did jobs that maybe they didn't necessarily love. And I've had a history of that from trying to find my footing. Like, okay, well, I'll try being a manager because I can still be in the business that I love, make money, but I'm not waiting until I've quote unquote aged out or I've gotten too old to be behind the bar as a female. Managed, loved it, then didn't love it. You managed at TGI Fridays. No, they... They did not want to lose um, their best bartender at that location. So it was always like a carrot dangled in front of me, and it just never came to fruition. I had three sisters at the time, one of them being my identical twin down here in Charlotte, and I used to visit, and I remember, and this was in 2011, 
So it was when it was even more uh, cheap to live in Charlotte. And I remember going on an apartment uh, tour with her, and I was like, how much? Yeah. This place? <laughs> like, you know they got a washer and dryer in that closet. <laughs> and then I just decided that was it. I was going to move. My eldest sister who lives in Mitten Hill was like, just move, live with me, we'll figure it out. So I did, gave my job two months' notice, trained my replacement, and then moved down here three days after Thanksgiving that year, just packed up one of my sister's cars, and that was it. Just took a leap of faith. I had three sisters. What better safety net? You yeah, know, I was with your family. Yeah. yeah. And in the in food and beverage and in the hospitality industry, there's flexibility because there's restaurants everywhere. So I came down here looking for another gig, found Carolina Ale House in Uptown, worked there for a year and a half before I came there, bar director, then did that for a year and a half. And just, I was good at it. I just didn't love it anymore. And my twin, who I love dearly, I used to call her all the time and complain. And one day she was like, either quit or stop calling me. You got to make a choice. Like, you're just doing this every day. What's the point? So as hard as it was because that place had become such a family, I left and just went back to bartending because it's what I loved. It's what made me feel good. It's what fed my soul. So that's what landed me at Duckworth's in Uptown. I helped open up that location. Um, worked behind the bar there. Loved it. I had great regulars. That's where I met Larry. Larry's so, Suggs. Yes. Her yeah. boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Who's, yeah, so you guys Power couple. Power couple. <laughs> so you guys were both tending bar at, at Duckworth's? No. No. He used to be the beverage director for multiple Duckworth's. Oh, wow. He did all the beer buying. Um, it's funny, we ran in very similar circles and just never met. Uh, first day Duckworth's opened, he came to check it out. He was no longer with the company, but he wanted to see the new location and support it. And I was there behind the bar. The rest oh my is gosh, history. your eyes met. And yeah. Well, <laughs> he came in a couple more times before he asked me out, but yeah, that yeah, was kind of... He was of, like, I'm just here for a drink. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he just came in for a beer, and then he didn't know what he was signing up for. <laughs> That's great. So, yeah. what, so what does your twin sister do? That's what I want to know. She's a property manager for um, Langtree Apartments in Mooresville. We just taught a beer oh. class there on Thursday. Do you Actually, ever, like, switch? Are you... No, can you she t- would never. Do you look the same, though? <laughs> Similar enough, definitely. I mean, when we were younger, much more identical, we used to do... Uh, those like back-to-back modeling photos. We've had a, <laughs> my mom's got some old photos. I'm sure she'd love to get out of storage somewhere and show people. But yeah, we used to do, when we were in Jersey, a little bit of twin modeling. They always dressed one of us oh up as gosh. the good twin and the bad twin. And Which one were you? <laughs> or did it change? Oh, in real life, bad twin. In photos, good twin for whatever reason. I don't know what my sister was putting off at these auditions, but yeah. That's a real parent trap situation. Oh, <laughs> That's amazing. I, I'm sure it wasn't easy, but I am, she's, She's the best thing. I call her my compass. She's my north, south, east, west. I'd be lost in the world without her. She's awesome. But same way, she loves interacting with people. Being social is definitely important to her happiness when it comes to her profession. But it definitely shows the difference. I deal with alcohol, and she deals with property, and that definitely fits our There's some overlap there, I think. Oh, yeah. Venn diagram for <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, but well, she has to drink. Yeah. If she's you're doing property management. <laughs> yeah. I admire her because she kills it in that industry and she went into it with absolutely no experience and just, she, I admire her. She's awesome. Okay. So you're at Duckworth. Yes. Did you do anything with the cellar? No, they were, Ron was downstairs toiling away and that actually fed my desire, to be honest. I remember working at TGI Fridays, first hearing about Dale DeGroff who we can really attribute the popularity of the Cosmo to. 
um, and being like, I would be a mixologist. Like, I would love that if that was a real thing. Like, if more than two people in the world were doing it. Because <laughs> at that time, it wasn't, it wasn't anything. I was making, I had to learn a lot of stuff, and I had a great foundation at Friday's. But, I mean, I was making Bahama Mamas and strawberry daiquiris, and I just knew I loved playing around with flavors. But, yeah, it felt like something that was, didn't exist. You weren't going to make money doing it. And so I, I was, fell into beer when I fell into Charlotte. I came at the end of 2011 when it just opened. OMB opened, Birdsong opened, Noda opened. So it totally blew my mind up. And then so falling in love with that brought me to Duckworth, which Ron was downstairs showing me things I'd never seen before. And it just made me feel like, yeah, I really, I really want to give that a shot. Like I really want to add that to my wheelhouse, what I'm good at. Um, so watching him do that was a lot of fun. Uh, I had gotten an opportunity to become a sales rep for a local beer distributor through relationships that I had made being a buyer at Carolina Ale House and then being at Duckworth. Um, so I did that for a while. Then it'll be three years in March. Uh, I was on my route actually at the exit from my sister's apartment complex before she started working there when I was hit by a tractor trailer. And it collided with me twice and it was the scariest moment and it really left like a scar on me. I was physically fine. Uh, just bumps and bruises. It was, I was very, very lucky, but mentally that something like that takes a toll and driving around became something that I, <laughs> I couldn't think about doing again. So I didn't work for a month. I just fell into it. And then I decided to go back to bartending. It's what I love. So I'm just going to keep doing that and it's good money. So I decided I was going to start exploring the craft side, but still making money because really where the money is is uh, the volume bartending. So I worked at Max Speed Shop on South Boulevard and made cash and made money, and then I went to 204 North at night because it's what I love to do, and I wanted to work with that back bar, what they had back there, Chartreuse, Aperol, Campari, Fernet, which I love. Mm -hmm. um, so I had a passion and a paycheck, and that's how I pushed myself and – made sense of being able to work somewhere where maybe I didn't make as much money as I was making during my day job, but it, it made me happy and that, that has value. So eventually they asked me to take over their beverage program at 204 North. I think they just recognized my passion and creativity and desire to create new things and that was incredible and I did that for close to a year and a half and in that time I went to Atlanta Food and Wine Festival and presented there um, and one and CRLA mixologist of the year working with Muddy River, which was so much fun. Uh, so was that in 2017 or mm -hmm. before? Okay. So yeah, well, just, yeah. Yeah. 2017. They just in um, August or September. I can't remember. Life has been so crazy since I started at Bardo. They just uh, crowned a new one. So I got to go to that and judge the culinary aspect. It was a lot of fun. See these creative people out there in different distilleries. But So how many people were you up against to win that? Five. And from all over, or was it just... All over so North Carolina. Yeah. Um, three of us were from Charlotte. Okay. And I was the only female. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. It was... Good for you. Thank you. I, it it was incredible. I didn't... Until they said she, I, then it clicked in my head. I was like, oh my God, that's, that's me. me. Yeah. It well, was... Is it still... Is it male dominated or is it sort of like, I know what you were saying, like the kind of... When is it like a... They want a pretty fixture behind the bar? Like, what do you think? Like, what's the industry more male or female um, right now? I mean, male. Still, Definitely, yeah. just still. When it comes to my side of the bartending world, when it comes to the more craft side, definitely male-dominated. But there's some amazing females out there doing some incredible things like Ivy Mix and Pam Witznitzer. And there's um, 
groups like Speed Rack, which is a females-only bartending competition, and they go all over, and it's speed and accuracy, and one of my goals is to compete in that one day. But there's definitely some badass women out there that drive me and inspire me and show me that that world's out there. Plus, you just can't tell me no. I don't. <laughs> I, I'm one of seven. Six of us are girls. I've, that's just... Oh, I feel yeah. bad for that one guy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you should. Is he still in Jersey? Mm-mm. No. He no. probably moved far away. <laughs> no, most of them are down here now, slowly but surely. Your parents, too? Or? Yeah, my mom's down here. Oh, nice. I have um, three sisters down here. Yeah, it's nice having my mom here. She's was up there for a long time. So does she come watch you tend bar at Bardo or anything now? She came during the soft opening. She works a lot. My sister and her husband out in Mint Hill um, open a tap room called uh, Poor 64. So my mom works over there quite a bit. And so she, she tries to, you know, but it's not really... When I worked at Fridays and, and Carolina Ale House, people would come in a lot more frequently, but... People's lives get busy. It's funny. My family moves down here and thinks we're all going to get together all the time. And You probably see them less than when you're in New yeah, Jersey. Yeah. I mean, seriously, the last, the last time I saw my twin sister was when we did the beer class on Thursday. And before that, Labor Day, maybe. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, everybody's so busy. Yeah, but we're all being, it's all going towards a good thing. We're all being so successful. We're so all I'm killing a, it. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm happy about it. So, Well, we wanted to ask you about the evolution of, the well, we haven't got to how she got to Bardo yet. Okay. Tell us so, how you get to Bardo. So <laughs> at, two, at 204 <laughs> North, loved being there. Um, the Kind of got burnt out uptown, and with such a large space, it hinders your creativity in a way. You can only do so much because having to get consistent cocktails to a large amount of people like that is difficult. So I kind of took a step back uh, and started to reevaluate where I really wanted to be and my next step. And Bardo kind of, in a way, fell in my lap. It just happened over Instagram. They found you. I found them. Okay. So uh, I think at the time I hadn't even, I had already watched 42 Grams, which Mike is featured in, and, um, but I didn't know that that was him. So I go and I reach out and meet with Jason and Mike. I looked up the places that Mike was from. They had already had the website up. And on there, they have Moto, Schwa, Butter, all these places. So I start looking and salivating as someone who, like, watches Chef's Table and really appreciates the artisticness that goes into something like that. I was like, I want to be near that. Like, I just want to be – I would have probably done the dishes there, to be honest. Like, I just wanted to be near that. So I reached out because, again, the worst they can say is no. So – if you know, you can bartend anywhere. I'd find somewhere else. (laughs) Um, So I reached out, met with them, and – it really was just, we had been talking a little bit, and when we met face-to-face, they're like, we kind of already decided. So wow. <laughs> let's, let's get going. And it was just hitting the ground running from there. I'm sure they Googled you, and they were like, yeah. <laughs> I, um, yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, they're very smart people. I would be surprised if they hadn't. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And so Bart and Bardo opened? End of May. We'll end be of May. Okay. five months tomorrow. And are you just, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but you guys have been slammed busy lately, right? Yes. Recently, it's really, the the word's just getting out there. You guys know it's been very word of mouth. Um, The growth has happened really organically, and luckily we've had some local publications that have been showing us some love, and I think that's definitely driven business. Um, I've been saying we have something so special, and it's only a matter of time. People come in that have been our regulars since day one are like, ugh. 
I'm not looking forward to when we have to wait in line yeah. to get here or there's a long wait or can't get here on a Tuesday. So, and I see that in our future and that really excites me. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. I'm like, when we came in this Tuesday and it was half empty, I was like, yeah, it's not going to be like this for long and we're right. so lucky. And yeah, it's the first restaurant in Charlotte that you kind of get to like, it's like the top of the culinary world as far as what you're doing, what chef mike's doing it's really amazing for charlotte and i really hope it's going to spur other places in charlotte too to kind of know that a place like that can exist in charlotte and succeed yeah I, and i think that's really important and you guys know how our menu reads it's not descriptive it's not telling you how things are prepared so people have to come in and kind of just really trust us yeah and the feedback has been phenomenal you only wish for people to come in multiple times and tell you how much they love it and it's the neighborhood definitely really embraced us too. Being in Wilmore is so much fun, but people, when they come and sit at the bar and will be like, I don't feel like I'm in Charlotte or I don't feel like I'm yeah. on South Mint street. Like it's a definitely different space, the open kitchen, but it's still relaxed. You know what I mean? Mike plays whatever music he's feeling that day, whether it's eighties or underground hip hop or whatever it may be. It's just relaxed. Same thing at the bar. You can have a conversation, joke around, get some sarcasm from me and still get a really good cocktail. It's just, I don't think it's like anywhere else in so Charlotte. You change the cocktail menu a lot. How often do you change it? I actually haven't changed it a whole lot. Um, at first, like I said, a lot of people didn't know we were there, didn't even know about us. So some of the cocktails on my menu, like putting down roots, I'm so incredibly proud of. And I think it's such a special cocktail. Was that always on there? Always. Okay, so maybe yeah. I just didn't see it because that's the one I got on Tuesday and I thought it was new. No, yeah, that so, is that's probably that's our most photographed cocktail. <laughs> cocktail. People yeah. love the one that looks like a carrot. Yeah, yeah. So, I, cooling effect. I had heard yeah. buzz about. Oh so yeah, people love that. Is, so is the most. What's the most popular right now? South Mint seventy five. Okay, and then probably very very close second would be cooling effect. Okay. Yeah, South Mint seventy five is my riff on a French seventy five with Sutler's Gin from Winston Salem, lemongrass, mint, and it's really delicious and refreshing and. Charlotte got so hot this summer, so it flew. <laughs> and then same thing with the cooling effect. People can relate to a spicy margarita. They know that's familiar enough to them, but they don't know about Arbol and Guajillo peppers, and it opens up your mind that it doesn't just have to be like muddled jalapeno, and there's more depth that you can bring to a cocktail, and of course using an actual aloe leaf that gives a cooling effect. Puts, it makes people step out of their comfort zone a little bit when you incorporate these familiar flavors. It doesn't yeah. seem quite as intimidating. And it gives them the wow, like, oh, wow, this is like, I mean, stuff like this exists. And yeah. Like, maybe they'll try, start trying new things and expanding their palate. I yeah. love cool beans, actually. It reminds, it has, so it has Pure Intentions cold brew. It mm -hmm. reminds me of a cocktail that we had at Austria Francescana this summer, actually. So it's like, it blew my mind how good that cocktail was. I did that in a Fernet Branca competition. That's okay. how that, it, that's how that was created. The day before, I had done a coffee and cocktails um, event with Beam Suntory and uh, Bouquet Coffee and Noda. So I did like four cocktails, and I used coffee. I did a butterscotch and coffee syrup, and oh I made gosh. horchata for a barrel-aged tequila to, uh, cocktail. And then we had the competition two days later, so I was like, well, Fernet works great with coffee, and if all these things work with coffee, I'll put them all in my bag and bring them with me. And it was three rounds. Um, and they gave us secret ingredients each round. So this one, that, that was my final round, which Larry and I were the top two. So 
I took home the title with a Cool Beans, who my very good friend Tom Patasha from Jersey as well dubbed it Cool Beans, which I remember growing up and saying that in elementary oh my gosh, stuff. Yes. Yeah. So Larry came in second, is what you're saying? <laughs> I'm sorry, I need some water. So you're saying uh, you destroyed so him, is so what I'm hearing. That must it was hard the, on the relationship. It was the first time I've beaten him when we're head to head in competition. Go you. So, That's amazing. Yeah. And, and Fernet Bronca holds such a special place for the both of us. We love it. So it was nice to kind of take that home. Another, yeah. I, another thing I love you do, because sometimes we're not the biggest drinkers, but you make excellent mocktails, which I had I love. to. When we first opened at Bardo, we didn't have our liquor license for, I think, the first week, maybe 10 days. Oh. So we did complimentary mocktails. So I had to come up with some. And I think I was just talking to one of my regulars about this the other day. The term that's getting used more and more is spirit-free because mocktails has kind yeah. of a faux negative almost connotation. And so spirit-free cocktails in the beginning, we wanted people to not come, find out we didn't have alcohol, and then turn away and leave. We wanted to at least entice them. Like, we're going to have something that's still delicious that you're going to be able to enjoy on us while you give our new restaurant a try, while you have some Spanish octopus. So we still have people that come to the bar that were there that first week that had mocktails that still talk about it. And you should be able to enjoy a delicious drink no matter what. It shouldn't yeah, be just exactly. whatever juice is behind the bar and then some club soda. <laughs> Yeah, you can be thoughtful. That's brilliant too, because I know that people like that period where you don't have the liquor license can be hard. So I'm, that was so smart on your the part of you guys, because I mean, my gosh, people would be irate. But like here, it's free. <laughs> but it's, yeah. We put it out on our website, on Facebook, on Instagram. But still, not you can't trust that everyone is going to look and see like, okay, they don't they don't have their booze this week. People get weird when they can't <laughs> have their booze and they're expecting it. Oh, <laughs> uh, I want a cocktail with dinner, a yeah, glass of right. wine, a beer, something. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it definitely makes the whole experience very nice, but that's the same thing if you don't drink. That drink should still make your experience. It, should, it shouldn't be something that's kind of discarded. And I think in the past, a lot of beverage aspects of restaurants are left to the last. Mm-hmm. It's not as thought out. But you're right. Without it, the experience is not the same. No. It really is what takes it to another level and makes it special. And it, I mean, it's definitely a challenge because spirits add a depth and a flavor profile that you can't get with anything else. So it, it's definitely a challenge, one that I like, but I always keep that in mind when I'm making my components behind the bar. What can mix well together? Even my non-alcoholic options. Like what can I use with what can I use just on its own, but then also incorporate into a mocktail or spirit-free cocktail. How many people do you have working with you behind the bar? Me and three other people. Okay. So you don't have to work every single night of the week. You get some time off. <laughs> I am there every day. You are there every I day. I am. Okay. I may not be behind the bar at night every day. Uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm usually not back there, but I'm there okay. during the day, making sure everything's in line, doing orders, getting prep done. But I don't think I could stay away. I live six minutes down the road. I'll just like <laughs> pop over if I feel the need, just make sure. That's my... That's my baby. It's especially in such a small place, 44 seats. Like you, I watch a cocktail hit the table and I can look and see the reaction when they sip out of it. So I live for that. Same thing probably that Mike feels when he watches a plate hit the table to see that reaction from someone first time they take a bite out of something. So I like, usually I clap. That's my reaction if I really <laughs> like something or I dance. And I've done that a lot at Bardo for drinks and yeah. food. <laughs> yeah, giggles. People yes. will just like giggle to themselves. Yeah. 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 So what's, what's a moment you had at Bardo, like a wow moment where you're like, oh, this is really good. Like, how did you know that it was going to be such a special place? Um, probably during training. I mean, 
Mike and Jason put a lot of trust into me, and I will be forever grateful about that. Um, Mike is such an artistic person. It, it, it's so great to work with that and to be around that, which made me want to dig a little deeper. Some of my cocktails are more adventurous, like the putting down roots. And part of the reason I haven't changed my menu a whole lot up until this point is because I wanted enough people to be able to see it and try it and not look back after seeing an article that comes out two months after that, oh, that's not there anymore because it's a cocktail I'm super proud of. And I want everyone to be able to have the opportunity to try it. Now that we are having more visibility, it'll change more. And we're doing our dinner tomorrow and I'll have three cocktails that are going to complement some of the yeah, dishes. Yeah, that looks really cool. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's So going back to that, um, during our tasting before we even opened, not only the flavors and the components, but the presentation, unlike anywhere I've ever worked before. And then to watch Mike sit there and toil over the plating. He's like, it won't look like this tomorrow. I'm going to do this and I'm talking about this. And just see him take such care and thoughtfulness with each and every plate. Even with the plate it goes on, it just, it, it was incredible. I, I mean, it, it exists in the world. I just have seen it on TV shows and Food Network and Chef's Table, but I have that where I work. And that was just like, wow, this is, this is something different. And That's then every, every new dish I try, it's just like, holy crap. Okay. I can't believe I work is, here. Everything is like so, like eyes rolling back in your head. Amazing. For the, cool, for the um, putting down roots, do you, like, do you have a juicer back there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the guys in the kitchen do my golden beet puree they do it. for me. Okay. Yeah, I juice the carrots fresh, yeah. and then ginger dill. I make that into a syrup, and then I mean blend that all together, strain it through till I have a nice consistency, and then that's it. I call it my root blend. But yeah, it's so good. I felt like I was I've got like been fighting a cold this week, and that was like the height of it. And I had that. And I felt like it it cured what ailed me. I really like. I was like I'm I'm healthy, and it was also a little <laughs> bit of a buzz. <laughs> I think it's really balanced. It's a nice way to introduce mezcal to people too because it just mezcal. really plays off of the earthiness of the beets and the carrots and the ginger. And I just love how that worked out. One of my favorite things is like a mezcal daiquiri. So Ooh. yeah, to be able to introduce that spirit to people and do it in an approachable way. And it's I thought it was going to be one of the lower selling cocktails because beets and carrots and that's weird. Yeah, vegetables. Ah, <laughs> And it has not been, not by a long shot. It's... It may not be on South Mint level, but people come in for that. I had guys in last night that were like, we saw it in Charlotte Happenings. So we want that orange one, whatever that's <laughs> called. So That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So now can I ask my question? You, about yeah. This? Sorry, I did jump. We got down. to Bardo. I got too excited. We're, we're present day now. <laughs> I just I have so much I want to know. So, yeah. So what do you think about the evolution of the bar scene in Charlotte? Like where, you know, like we talk a lot about how the restaurant scene is growing and of course with Bardo we've touched on that but like where do you see it you know five years from now and where does it come like when you came here in 2011 you know it was it it was your volume bars I mean that's Charlotte wasn't starting a beer boom so it was craft beer bars it was volume bars it was sports bars I mean and that's great and we need different kinds of bars but I don't know if beyond Soul Gastro Lounge and the Punch Room there was anywhere else to get a good cocktail, and not even in 2011. Those didn't exist till years later. Um, so it's it's the evolution's been interesting, but I also think a lot of that is due to craft beer. People opened their mind up to more than just Miller Lite, Bud Light, and these domestic beers. They got into hoppy and malty and roasty and chocolatey, and and it, 
saw that there's a large spectrum, then breweries started opening. And people got to go to these breweries and try new things. And then cider or cideries started opening and then distilleries. And I think really craft beer helped open up people's minds that there was a whole lot out there that maybe we didn't know about already. I mean, I'd like to say in five years, it, maybe it's not quite as saturated, but with more quality places, we don't need a million craft beer bars with a million beers there, but maybe a craft, a craft beer bar, I'm sorry, a craft cocktail bar that has a different vibe that's more of like a loungy hometown. I mean, I love a dive bar. I'd love a dive bar to get like a really good old fashioned and have a nice beer too that doesn't feel, that doesn't necessarily have to be upscale. What's your favorite dive bar in Charlotte? Oh, Snug Harbor. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, I, wow. I don't know. Fun yeah. place. Every it's time snug. we walk by there. Snug, probably, yeah. Before I met Jason, yeah, I'd yeah. go there. She used to go on a lot <laughs> yeah. of dates back then. <laughs> yeah, I've, I love Snug. And they're really awesome people that run that place. And Matt Shane is involved in the USBG, and he's always a big supporter of everything that we do and has held, like, charity events there and stuff. And it's just a good time. They're just there to have fun. I used to sell beer to them, so I'd be there during the day when I don't know if anyone knows what that looks like. So, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a totally different look. <laughs> I never thought about beer starting the craft cocktail scene. I mean, well, it's so it, true because most people drink beer, you know, over cocktails. I guess that's you know. Well, not, it really not started us, the but... food scene in Charlotte. Really, if you think about it, because yeah. it ushered in just local stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then that's when once all the OMB was the first one, like you said, Birdsong, and then mm-hmm. it just grew, and then the restaurants started coming after that. Yeah. I mean, it, there's all this variety out there that people were having fun trying. That was a lot of fun when I was at Carolina Ale House was giving people a sample of something that I knew in my head they would like based on, like, what kind of beer do you drink? And it was someone that would drink something very, you can find anywhere, like Newcastle, and then you give them a Bad Penny from Big Boss or at the Lazy Bird Brown from Birdsong and be able to be like, oh, oh, there's other stuff out there besides what I'm used to drinking. My big philosophy is it's better to know not what you like, but why you like it. I used to think I just liked margaritas back in the day when I worked at Friday's. I just liked margaritas. <laughs> no, I like acidic drinks. So it was having the last word, which is one of my favorite classics, that I was like, oh, there's, there's other stuff out there. There's other things. And working behind a beer bar and having someone be like, I drink this, I like this, I like this. It was fun finding something that hit that palate from – Thinking from hearing what they like to figuring out why they like it. And then telling someone, you don't just like IPAs, you like multi-IPAs. So now next time you go to a bar, you can say, what multi-IPAs do you have? You have you have the ammunition or the arsenal to be able to go out and drink better. Because now you know not what you like, but why you like it. You know how to ask If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. My dad, you know, I think it's harder for older people. Like, he'd be, he loves Newcastle. So yeah. I'm going to remember those ones you said. Because when he came here... No, he, he likes a, Yingling. Well, he likes Newcastle and Yingling. But he has a hard time because he always wants those. And we'll go to places where it's just craft beers. And, like, people don't usually know well, I think it's a generational thing. I think that, you know, the, the brands back then, the bigger people were scared. Because local stuff just wasn't good back then. You got a, You went to like a crappy beer out of someone's backyard. Like you didn't have that. You didn't want that. It's just completely switched now. Oh, where... absolutely. I think it just made sampling beers and getting to try all these different things, going to these tap rooms and being able to try these local beers just expanded people's uh, vision of beer. And that helped usher in different things like cideries and distilleries and and hopefully our liquor laws change to be able to make stuff like that a lot easier for our distillers. Um, 
we just had recently the ABC passed something where we can request where they put our tax stamp. You know, when you go to a bar and you yes. see all these bright stickers, yes. you can request now where it's located. It mm-hmm. <laughs> I've yep. heard. I yeah, we to, were yeah. we were talking. Uh, Stumptown so, Station. Yeah. I went out there and they were the guy there was telling me like, yeah, he said it's so awful because they put it right on the front where the it looks so pretty and now the bottles look so pretty and you ruin it with the sticker. Yeah, and it'll sometimes go over the H stamp. So if you oh. have like a beautiful whiskey, Gosh, yeah. 15 years. Yeah. You're and like, it's no, just stamped it's, on there. It's really, it's they a good always one. put it the worst spot. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, and Mecklenburg County goes through quite a bit of booze. I get it, but they're just in a hurry. So things are just, evolving. But it's easy to put on the back. Mm-hmm. Just put it on the back. Things are evolving, maybe slowly, but I mean, little by little, we're getting these wins because of people who are enjoying these cocktails too. Not just the passionate people behind the bar, but the demand for something like that. People who are going to incredible craft beer, craft cocktail bars like the Crunkleton which I'm so excited to come to Charlotte. You yeah, know what I mean? excited for that. Gary does such an incredible job and to, to take away from his selection of antique whiskeys and these beautiful spirits that he has collected for so long with some ugly macaroni and cheese-colored sticker <laughs> is a right. shame. Yeah, it is so, a shame. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what are the other places in town that you are always looking at to see what they're doing? Or maybe like consider like good craft cocktail bars one of my favorite places to go and larry and i have gone to one of their spots for a long or every big birthday anniversary we usually go see like the dresslers group so i see brian at dogwood i've spent many birthdays and anniversaries there i remember one year we walked in and there was a sign with two glasses of prosecco that said respectfully reserved at the and they were at the bar because we're bar people. We like to sit Aww. at the bar. So we had our anniversary there. My birthday this year, we went to Finn and Fino, where Brittany is killing it and just as... BK and the Clams. Yep. She's so, yeah. <laughs> I love that. She's so <laughs> hospitable, too. She's, it's awesome to go there. I can never find a seat at the bar, and I know why. So, But those are probably top tier, some of my favorite places to go. Um, anyone from that group... Uh, it's it's tough because people think that cocktail makers go out and drink cocktails a lot. Yeah, but you're always working. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we're always working or it's like a beer and a shot. Like yeah. most of the time for me, it's a shot of Fernet and the hoppiest IPA you have. That's what I'll get because I just don't want to think about it. But if I'm going out and looking for an experience, Kindred obviously is up there. Whenever we're on that side of the town, seeing my sister out in uh, Mooresville, we always make sure we stop by there. Is Larry still at Zeppelin? No, no, like, no that, that was, was a while ago. That was a while ago. Yeah. Larry actually uh, helped with the consulting for Stumptown Station out okay. Matthews, too. Awesome. So, yeah. uh, no, he did that quite some time ago, but I think that was a really fun time working with Vince and with Ryan and seeing Vince's passion because he's a super passionate guy, too, and getting that, that original program off the ground. And then Ryan's done such a good job continuing it on. So he sort of lifts places up and then he does consulting. And mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 He was That's at the fun. Stanley for a while. Okay. Yep. Now it's those cocktails. Yeah. I'm not surprised hearing that because those cocktails are amazing. Yeah. Oh my goodness. The uh, Songs of Home from the original menu is like one of my favorite, uh-huh. favorite cocktails he's ever done. We've only been there really just, just once. So we need to, we need to go back. Well, so I want to talk about Crown Town Collective. Mm-hmm. So you co-founded this with yes. some other ladies because it's a women-only group, no. right? No, okay. Me and Larry. Oh, it's you and Larry. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, All so right. we do creative beverage, catering, consulting, cocktail classes. We've done quite a bit of those. Um, 
We just think that in Charlotte, you can go out and get a great cocktail at a certain amount of places. Um, whether it's creative beverage catering, which I was just at a party last week for a company in Uptown because you can go out to a bar and get a great old-fashioned, but then you hire a company to come in and it's very much vodka soda and like whiskey Coke. So they wanted to elevate their experience with having someone that's going to create a cocktail. So I went there with uh, two signature cocktails and then I always bring just like a bag of extra ingredients to do fun on the spot cocktails because that's what I like to do. Okay, what are the ingredients you bring in? Uh, mint. I always bring a simple syrup, bitters. I mean, you can do a lot um, when you're stocking your bar. If you just have a, maybe like five or six items outside of the spirit, they go across a lot of classic cocktails like sweet vermouth, Angostura bitters. I mean, and then you can do, it just becomes more versatile. And that always wows people when you can do more than just what maybe this little menu said. So it started out as Manhattan's in the end of the night. And I was doing brambles and whiskey sours. and but. I love a whiskey sour. I like to make drinks that people like. So whether that's what you've asked for or not, like I like to go the extra mile. It's it's fun. I have fun. Is there anything that you won't put in a cocktail? Like you don't have it at, at your bar? Like a... I've gotten some flack for this. Okay. <laughs> Olives and olive juice. So no dirty martinis. No. Yet. So tell no. us why. I just remember working at these bars, having olives that one most people just use as some kind of a snack tray which bugs me, and they come in big jars. You always use more juice than you do the actual olives, and it's like chasing your tail, always ordering more juice, and it's not ordered enough for it to make that much of a difference to me. Uh, honestly, I think that sometimes to be successful, you have to dig your heels in and like know what you're standing on. It's, it's not make or break. I can make you something else that I know that you're going to like. What, so, what would you make if someone said they wanted a dirty martini? Depends on what Mike has going in the kitchen. He has okay. a lot of pickled stuff. And so I would go back there and just see, you know, uh, we have a pickled mayatake on oh. our oh. The, the tempura mayatake. Do you mayatake. have that yeah. pickled mayatake? Yeah. That so would be an amazing addition. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I would, I mean, gin. yeah, do my best. Just like we don't have cranberry juice either. Fresh is better. And cranberry juice has bad ingredients normally. Like it's hard to find a really good fresh. You no, know, like, I would do um, what we've done in the past, and I would make a cranberry syrup and then use yes. water or soda water. I mean, I love cranberry, too. But you said, Bardo's small. I have to be really selective with what I bring in because we don't have a lot of space, and that's part of the charm of it, too. Same thing with the back bar. It's curated. I'm going to bring in things as I think that they're necessary and they make sense for that place, but I, I can't just carry everything to hit everybody's need, but I can make sure that you have a really great cocktail that you're going to like. I had a woman order a Cosmo the other day. Can't do a Cosmo, but we did a cocktail with vodka and Aperol, and it was a spirit forward and just a little bit bitter because cranberry's a little bit bitter and just slightly sweet, and she loved it. She had two more of them. and It's probably the best not Cosmo yeah. she's yeah. ever had. And, and at first yeah. she was like, I trust you. I was like, thank you. That's all I ask people to do is yeah. give me the opportunity to show you that you can have something else besides this one thing that you're still going to like. I'm going to do my best, but I can't carry everything. I can't just have grapefruit juice and all this stuff behind the bar because I, I, I don't have the space. Yeah, and that lets you have your artistry. I mean, you can make that flavor and just make it better. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I can find out what it is about that drink that you like That's and awesome. then try and mimic that in some other way. Talk about your salts, too, because <laughs> I just ate your salts straight yeah. up, and it was amazing. So, so good. Oh, yeah, for the cooling effect. So, like, I use Arbol and Guajillo peppers in the cocktail, and I love 
a flavored salt. I, my sister was having a baby and we did a carnival themed baby shower. So we had a popcorn station. I was like, how fun would it be to do different flavored salts oh my gosh, I to love be able that to put idea. on it? So I just started looking it up and I was like, oh, that's not that hard. So when I was at 204 North, I did a strawberry salt for a um, cocktail that had tequila, grapefruit, strawberry, lime. It was delicious and I had some salt. Now the salt didn't really have any flavor to it, but aromatically it smelled like strawberry. So it definitely added to the cocktail. And that was the first time I just started playing with it. I remember that cocktail, seeing it on Instagram. That oh, was an yeah. event. They did a blog event, and we weren't, we weren't in, invited to that one. And I remember <laughs> having major FOMO, and I didn't know who you were at the time. But, like, seriously, that cocktail, like, seeing that picture is burned yeah. in my brain. Yeah. Because it was pink, beautiful. Pink Dahlia. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I love that's that cocktail. It. it was very popular. Gosh, what a... And, like, the salt came all the way down, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. kind of like the way the cooling effect does, which is such a... Such a wow factor there on the presentation and yeah, like I the try aromatics and keep, of it. I try and keep it simple, even with presentation. I like functional garnish or I like garnish that makes sense. I am, I think that place that place is so beautiful and simple in its decor, and to do anything like over the top, just didn't really make sense. Even with my f- my flavor profiles, I just kind of let the ingredient shine through. I don't try and throw too much in one glass, but um, yeah, that's all. So I grind up the arbol and guajillo peppers and then incorporate it with salt. So while they're dry, they're not completely dehydrated. The salt is going to help draw that moisture out and it's actually going to take on the flavor and the color. So by doing it only on the side versus the traditional around the rim, like you see at a lot of places, it allows you to kind of go back and forth, kind of choose your own adventure. I always tell people start without it, go to the salt because it definitely amps the heat up and then kind of go from there. You can take a sip without it, go back, and plus it just, it looks so pretty on the side, very rustic and... Very earthy, all yeah. of your presentations. Like, yeah, like it's nothing like frou-frou. It all just makes yeah. sense. So looking into the future, I know you're very happy where you are right now, but mm-hmm. do you and Larry have any dreams of opening up like a cocktail bar of your own? I think that's always the dream, for yeah. sure. I mean, it's something we constantly talk about, whether it's concepts, and we, we think it through, through the food, what the cocktails are going to be, what the name is, what the logo would look like. I mean probably have five or six that we've been talking about for years but we have a concept it's called death and taxes yeah oh yeah and everyone wears all the bartenders wear the green tax visors and that's that's as far as we've got yeah (laughs) but you know know what they're gonna wear so feel free to steal that take it just like we get unlimited free cocktails if you decide to take that idea (laughs) it's fun to come up with that like yeah like the logo and the branding of it right i'm sure that's what you guys yeah i mean the most fun for us is like what would the food be like what would the cocktails be like how would they match how does it make sense yeah with the brand and having it be cohesive and that's we talk about that stuff all the time it's always related to work i mean we constantly have books out on our island in our apartment and are just chatting about stuff i mean we have sous vides and dehydrators and vacuum seals in our living room and it's just it's just part of our everyday world um one day i'd love for us to have a space maybe multiple i think what the focus is right now is just having charlotte be a better place to drink whether that's consulting for places which is definitely something larry has been super successful with and passionate about um and helping other people get the foundation eventually which will I can help see that everyone. Yeah, high know, tides yeah. raise all ships. That's yes. got it. That should be more people's mentality. Yeah. It's not a competition, but it's. I like to think that I'm bringing something else that maybe you can't find at another craft cocktail bar. And while it's not any better or any worse, it's different, and I'm doing something 
simple and thoughtful that goes with the space. And I mean, obviously the food is incredible, but it's just adding another layer to a food and beverage scene that's already growing and thriving with super passionate people. But the more bars and restaurants open up, the less people there are to work at them. So who's out there teaching them? Who's out there taking the time to show you there's more than just popping open a bottle? Colleen Hughes and I did uh, a basically like bartender 102 women only cocktail class. That's great. It's like, hey, do you already work at a bar that maybe is volume and you're just kind of pouring shots of whiskey and opening beer? Come to this class. We teach you how to stir, how to shake, incorporate an egg white into a drink, all these techniques that probably look really intimidating. I need to go to that. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to do an egg white drink once and it was bad. Yeah. It's not, it's not as easy as you'd think. <laughs> it, what'd you do? I did something bad and it was, <laughs> it was raw like, egg. And yeah, it, was, it separated. Uh, oh, he didn't probably, shake it enough, right? I didn't do oh, something. Yeah. I needed to go to your class. When's the <laughs> next one? Yeah. I'll dress like a lady. Well, yeah. <laughs> I can help you with that. I'll show you how to do an egg white drink. But yeah, I think it's important to have resources out there for people to know that there's, if this is something you're passionate about and you enjoy being in this business and want to learn more about craft cocktails, those app, those opportunities are out there. And I don't know, education is so important. I love your mindset. That's so what, awesome. what's the next thing for you uh, as far as the bar side? Like, is there the next level that you know you want? Is there a certain type of ingredient or a certain type of drink that you haven't got to yet, but you really want to? No, I wouldn't say so. Um, I look forward to growing with Jason and Mike and their endeavors and having a touch on any beverage program that they open in the future. I think that they're super talented and I just get inspired. People always ask me like, how do you, how'd you come up with all of this? Some of them is just being inspired by an ingredient and I've been open to so much more at Bardo, what's coming in, things that I've never heard of. Um, obviously, with uh, Chef Jake in town, I'm hearing Japanese brown sugar, and I'm like, what? Like, what is that? I want to learn more about this stuff. So I'm just honing my seals. I feel like I've only scratched the surface. I didn't realize how much more there was out there. So I try not to force it. I want it to be authentic and organic and not like, okay, it's fall now, so everything's got to be flipped. <laughs> Pumpkin. And, yeah, and <laughs> apple and cream, and when it only just started getting cold. But I have a cocktail on my menu that is a little sweet, a little bitter with a cinnamon backbone that's really going to make you feel like fall without maybe Hit, being so yeah. obvious. Hitting you over the head with it. <laughs> well, I love yeah. the banana one you made. That's the one. That, that one the, was oh, so that summer. Good. Yeah. To me, it still says fall to yeah. it without being, like I said, so obvious because it was still hot out. I mean, it's, right. it yeah. only now has just started getting cold. Yeah, in Charlotte, you can't, you can't rush the pumpkin in no. September. <laughs> But then even we get super cold normally January, February. I want to do hot cocktails, and I love that I can do that in such a small space. I can't wait for that. Oh, yeah. I have some ideas already. One of my regulars was in the other night, and she wasn't feeling well, even just making her hot toddy. I was like, oh, I'm so excited. Yes, that's the best. Oh, wow. We had a a, a good green tea cocktail once, too, that was so warming and so good. I'm thinking white chocolate, like hot white chocolate coconut milk. Oh, my gosh. You just blew my mind. <laughs> What's the liquor in that, would you think? Probably rum. Okay. I did a gold mine used to be on my first menu, and that was inspired by Mike. He said one of his favorite flavor combinations was white chocolate and passion fruit. So I did like mm. a tiki-esque to- cocktail, and I made a white chocolate coconut milk. And it was funny because when I made it and was melting the chocolate into it, I was like, oh, I really like that hot. And so I was like, I, I'm going to bring back something familiar from the first menu, but do it totally different. So... 
That'll yeah. be once it cools down, we'll do. We'll be there the first day. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and that's, that is when you need it. Like, yeah, January, February, like, it's not even, like, that's when it's really cold here. Yeah. That's when we'll have snow, and, yeah, that'll be the perfect thing. Yeah. But I think that's what's great about Bardo is nothing feels, like, forced or pushed out. We change things as we feel as it, it as this, good. yeah, our charred peach dessert is gone because peaches are out of season, and we're not going to mess with the quality of something, and so we'll change that up, but... But if it's like with the cocktails, I love that. It's like if people are still asking for it, you can still make it. Like why take it away when people come in looking for it? Yeah, and I slowly, and I'm going to slowly introduce more stuff and take things away that maybe don't make as much sense as the weather changes, Mm -hmm. but but not let that be the deciding factor, whether something stays or goes or, okay, now I need to add three more because these ones have been on for a long time. I mean. It's not like every season has to be totally new. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Because it feels, then you're forcing yourself to do all of that. Then you're like, okay, I need five cocktails and I want to do this, 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 this. When creatively, yeah, like you yeah, I want it be to, there. Yeah, I yeah. want it to make sense. I want to think yeah. about it and have it be thoughtful. Well, so normally we do the best thing we ate this week, but we thought this week we might switch it up. Do the best thing we drank. Yeah, <laughs> in honor of you. So I'll, I'll just you say start. the best thing that I drank this week was at Bardo on Tuesday. Oh, you're I such a... Uh, you're such, such a brown noser, right? God. No, it was, though. The putting down roots. That was... And I, it's weird to me because I didn't... I, I really thought it was new. And I hadn't... I guess I hadn't seen that one featured anywhere, which is strange. So... Um, but it stuck out to me, just kind of like yeah, feeling under the weather and like just the freshness of that. And I, I, love, I love the idea of like beet juice is like one of the most like detoxing things to yeah. me and then having that like with alcohol like I was like this really like you know like I don't know I just like like thought that was really really cool and it was went perfectly with everything we had the duck that night oh did you uh, just, oh, oh my gosh we came for the duck we did and then we had tenderloin too we were in a meat mood oh, awesome. <laughs> I was the like I just want all the yeah, meat the ribeye, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah the ribeye so. oh you can't go wrong with the ribeye yeah. oh my gosh I think that's my favorite thing on the menu now I don't know I was Maybe the scallops, but I don't know. But I love, I love that ribeye. So. That's, that's the hardest question. People come in and are like, yeah, well, what, what are your favorite things? And I find myself just like rattling off everything. And by the end, yeah. I'm like, oh, that, oh, that's everything. Yeah, Do you just, oh, the mushroom. Yeah. I would just <laughs> eat the horchata ice cream. Just, He's I would obsessed with that. There. <laughs> I know. I love our ice creams. The ginger with the carrot yeah. cake is so good. So good. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah, but that was my favorite. And it's just true. It's just true. <laughs> I think mine, so we went to O2 last night. Oh yeah, and uh, I got a mocktail. Spirit free. They, spirit they and free. they do call it spirit free. Good. Yeah, they're one of the ones I've seen. Only one of the ones Very I've seen. Nice. And uh, it was yuzu. I'm like obsessed with yuzu. I love yuzu so much. It was yuzu and Cherries. some sort of cherry. And marina. Yeah. Oh, nice. And just fresh and the cherry and lime or lemon yuzu go together. Yeah. Especially when it's fresh. You could tell it was fresh. So I really like that. Yeah, they have a nice bar at Oku. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, I, love, I love Oku. I don't, now that we've moved uptown, I don't make it over there as much. But Oh, you're uptown with us. We should, oh, yeah? we should meet up for a drink. I won't say where I live on. <laughs> yeah, right. On I know. We air. always we'll say, almost it. say it. <laughs> say it later just on when she came out. Yeah, yeah. right. Just, uh, <laughs> like, where are living. you? Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, but Oku is. I know we don't go there enough, too. I was thinking that. Like we, or, I enjoyed the food last night. But, yeah. So what's the best thing you drank this week? So I haven't had too much to drink this week. Um, Thursday we did a beer class out in Mooresville, and one of the beers we had was uh, D9's Brewer's Day Off. It's a uh, cucumber and cantaloupe gosa. They oh, won a, yeah, they won a bronze medal at GABF, Great American Beer Festival, 
not that long ago, and it was killer. It was really, really good. And then actually my cousin Jeffrey started a whiskey company out in Nevada. It's called Ambrose Whiskey, and he I just yesterday got two bottles in the mail. So those would be my two favorite things I had this week was my cousin's new whiskey and then Brewer's Day Off from D9. Beer and a shot. I mean, it's, yeah, that's, yeah, that is really what you like. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Well, let me ask you a question about the laws because I heard it's sometimes hard to get like specialty liquors in North Carolina. Absolutely, because of their crazy ass laws they have. Yeah, there's certain items are special order where you pay for it in advance. There's case minimums, six bottles, twelve bottles. It all just depends. Um, and then you wait weeks and weeks and weeks. Because you have to go to through in. the state, right? Yeah, everything. Yeah, everything's through the state. That's part of why those stickers are on there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, not everything's available, so people will come into the city from somewhere else and ask if we have something. It's like, that's you can't get that anywhere in the state. Um, and then there's certain items that you have to pay for in advance and then wait, I mean, 8, 12 weeks sometimes to get them in. So, like, Colleen Hughes has done an incredible job at uh, growing her specialty bottle on her back bar at Haberdish. I mean, she's got some awesome Amaros and some things that you're not going to see at every other bar and it's investing in that and taking yeah. time and be nice if it was a lot easier, but yeah, well you should be able to order it online and get what you want. I mean, it's 2018. Oh, no, not here. <laughs> like that would be an individual could. Right? Okay. Yeah. I like mean, going yeah. to South Carolina, go to frugal. Right. No. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Okay, yeah. We're going to start a smuggling business. I know this yeah. is not legal. <laughs> Everyone stop listening. Yeah, if, you're, right. if you're a uh, part of the government, let's start a smuggling thing. We'll go to these places. <laughs> We'll, we'll form, I know Michael Cohen, we'll start, form yeah. a couple special yeah. LLCs <laughs> to funnel it through. It's all going to work out. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll get you the booze. <laughs> we went to a wedding in, in uh, Maryland. We went to a liquor store there just to see what they had. And they had a shelves with like half open, like half drank bottles because they sampled out at the liquor store. I thought I was going to pass out. I was like, what? They can do that. <laughs> yeah. Like that's open. There, that would never fly here. Yeah, it's so silly. We need that though, because then you can just get all these specialty things. Like when we were in Copenhagen, they have such a unique array of all. It, it's really fashionable. All these new distilleries that are coming up, and they have them from all over the world. And you should be able to try that in North Carolina. It, I would love to be able to work with so much stuff that's out there. I mean, it's just it's endless. You go to a bar now in Charlotte and see a back bar, and be like, holy crap. Times that by I don't even know how much. There's so much out yeah. there. Okay, we're writing our legislators. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, follow that stuff. It's it's important. It's part of what yeah, we're trying to well, grow here. And in there's Charlotte. crazy, just the laws where you have to go through a third party distributor. If you make more than like ten thousand barrels yeah. or whatever, then you have to go through a distributor. So yeah, there's a lot of crazy laws that are need to be updated for Absolutely. sure. Yeah. Now they, I mean, they changed the law for drinking on Sunday, right? So yeah. Yeah. Oh, anything's it, possible. It if they did that, anything's <laughs> possible. And what a lot of people don't know is with the brunch bill, what came with that is that distilleries were able to sell more than just one bottle per year per person. So you used to only be able to, if you wow. went to Doc Porter's in South End, you could get one bottle of the vodka, gin, bourbon, and their rye, but only one of each for the entire year through their tap room. Oh my god! Now you can get up to five, which is super was a big, big win. I mean, it definitely was overshadowed by the whole yeah. being able to drink yeah. before noon on Sundays and all of that. But, I mean, that was that was a big deal. And, I mean, it's important to support our local distilleries. Sure. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, they make great stuff. Doc Porters, I like them. Yeah, they're great people, too. <laughs> yeah. All right. You want, to, you want to do Charlotte news? 
Um, it's up to you. We can skip I it. I think we're good. Okay. We're at an hour, so. Okay. <laughs> it's been amazing having you. Oh, thank you. It, we're just so, so grateful you came out after working so late last night and yeah. spent some time We're going to have us. to have uh, other people from Bardo, too. And Larry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. We'll have yeah. Larry. Yeah, the, the mixology power couple of Charlotte. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, tell, so tell the people where you can find you on Instagram and Facebook and wherever. You can find me on Instagram at Amanda B. Mixing. Which is the, the best handle Amanda of all B. time. Mixing. That is Amanda B. Mixing. There's How'd a, you come up with that? I did not. Okay. No. I I won't say what my former Instagram name was, but it, it <laughs> the more I started doing events, people were like, what do you want Instagram? And having to spell it out is never a good thing. So I there's a little debate about who came up with it. Larry says he did it, and then my friend Andrew, <laughs> who works over at dot dot dot, said that he also came up with it. But it's like my last name is Britain, so it starts with B. Yeah. So Amanda B. Mixing Amanda B. Slinging. That's how it all went around. And then one day I was like, J- I'm doing it. Yeah. Just it's forget brilliant. it. Whoever came up with it. Yeah. <laughs> all so, the credit to yeah. whoever. <laughs> Amanda B. Mixing on Instagram. You can find me at Bardo almost every single day. Um, yeah. Go talk to her in person. Yeah, go sit at the bar. It's yeah. the best experience. If you haven't been to Bardo yet, what are you doing with your life? Yeah. Really? Like what? You're missing out. Yeah, come see me. Yeah. <laughs> go see Amanda. And you can also keep an eye on the kitchen. You can see it all because Bardo's so open. Tell so. them Scallion Pancakes sent you. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Any, any place else? No, not currently. Uh, Bardo. Just Instagram. Jeff. Instagram and Bardo. I mean, Amanda Burton on Facebook if you want to. I'm not super active on there, but... It exists. Yeah, we're not, <laughs> I'm not a f- Facebook fan either. Yeah. Instagram's the way. And make sure you're following Stallion Pancake everywhere. Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, LinkedIn. <laughs> um, that crazy Chinese uh, social media. We're on there too. Yeah. We're, we're everywhere. We're on yeah. everything. We're worldwide. <laughs> we have a very big population of Swedish listeners. So... <laughs> Randomly, <laughs> just one. I'm joking. Yeah. Oh, I was like, is that true? <laughs> we just have one. We have some <laughs> random people from Australia. Yeah. Um, yeah. One Sweden. Yeah. Yep. Some randoms. So okay. yeah, you'll be heard in Sweden now. What's up, Sweden? <laughs> yeah, she's actually a German lady living in Sweden. She's, yeah. She's like a top listener. So, shout out to her. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you guys for listening. Sorry, I didn't bring the ukulele. And next I know, week, we, miss it. Um, we might have another guest, or it might just be us. Yeah, stay tuned. 50 50. Thank you so much again. Yeah, thank thank you you so so much. You're awesome. Thank you. Go Panthers.